0: be the real thing. We need your power, we need your direction, we need your Please allow the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, for you are mine. I pray this prayer and to you be all the glory come Holy Spirit and have your way some tears need to flow in here today Give the Lord a hand praise. He's worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. He's worthy to be praised. As you're able today, I want you to turn to the New Testament. 1 Timothy, chapter one, verses 12 through 17. The Apostle Paul's letter to his protege in the ministry, Timothy, found in First Timothy, chapter one, verses 12 through 17. And as you have the word in front of you, or as you are prepared to hear the word, please stand out of reference for God's holy word. And listen now for the word of the Lord. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me, Pastor Paul says, because he judged me faithful. And then he trusted me and appointed me to his service. He says, and he did all of that even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. Pastor Paul says, I received mercy. (laughs) He said, I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. He said, then I received the grace. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus so he says, the saying is sure and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom, Pastor Paul says, I am the foremost. But for that very reason, he said, I received mercy. So that in me, as the foremost of sinners Jesus Christ might display to the world his utmost patience making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life to the king of the ages immortal invisible the only God be honored and glory forever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Thanks be to God. Yes, yes. Smile at someone this morning smile amen, amen. say neighbor we're going to talk about God's, God's grace, God's grace and, God's God's mercy. and God's mercy oh give the Lord a hand praise God's grace and God's mercy I'm so full today. I brought all kind of extra things that I really don't need, but God will guide me. Our scripture lesson this morning is a personal testimony from Paul the Apostle. And he was giving this testimony to one of his children in the ministry—it was a way of giving this this young preacher and all of us, every one of us, a clear grounding in, into the very character and actions of Almighty God. It's one thing to have been in your ter- church all your life, but you might have heard about God. But it's one thing to hear about Him and another thing to know about Him. Somebody say Amen. And God is a wonderful God. He's always teaching us. Who he is, so that we don't have to make up who we think he is. He's real clear in the word of God about who he is. Somebody say amen. Therefore, we're going to focus on the meaning and the, and the very crust, the foundation of this testimony. So we're going to lift up two words that we talk about all the time, and that is grace and mercy. Mercy. Beloved, Pastor Paul says in verses 13 through 15 in the New Revised Standard Version, he says, Even though I was formerly someone who talked about God, talked about Christians, I killed them. I was a man of violence. He said, But I received mercy. Which means God did not treat me like I should have been treated. He said, and I, I received it because I had acted ignorantly and in unbelief. It surprises me how we criticize the world who we didn't mean let into church for the last 50 years. Criticize. I mean, you know, I wonder how we can criticize people who don't believe because they've never been in a position to believe. Somebody say amen. Amen. He said, I didn't believe. I was ignorant. And God knew it. And he forgave me. He gave me mercy. And then he said, and the grace, which means the love that we none of us deserve, None of us deserve the kind of love that God gives us. And the love, he said, the grace, God's unmerited love of the Lord, he said it just overflowed for me with the faith and love that was in Christ Jesus. Have you ever seen people that God called to be a pastor, and then they go home and people say, who? Ah. You're kidding me. I remember when he was in the street. Now my thing is to remember that you must have been in the street with him. (laughs) I remember when he went to the club. I remember when he smoked. All kind of stuff. God called that rascal? Now first we must understand that mercy and grace are the utmost attributes of what love is. When you know that you're loved by God, who is perfect, that ought to humble us every time we think about it. Because all of us are imperfect. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and yet God loves us anyway. Isn't that wonderful? The essence of the Bible is a loving God and and a God who loves people through the eyes of Jesus Christ. We all ought to love people through the lens of of Jesus Christ. I told you at our camp out the other week, God tested us, and I'm just so glad we passed the test. Because that's what he's doing to the church today. I'm going to send you somebody off the street and see how you treat them. I'm going to send you somebody high as a kite on heroin. I'm just going to see how you treat them. I'm going to send you somebody everybody in the church talks about. I'm going to send them and just see how how you treat them. So we hear now two grand works of God that that have displayed his all-powerful, gracious, and merciful nature. One is that he created the whole world. How can you look at somebody and, and think about God as a real person and know at the same time that the God who loves you is the same God who created the skies and the seas and the stars and the ocean and the flowers and the trees and the animals and you and me? That's some kind of power. Look at today and say, and that power loves me. That power loves Amen. So while God's work of creation demonstrated his mighty power, God's work of redemption revealed his marvelous love. God looked at us and said, I don't know what I can do to make them do right. I send them to paradise in a garden and then they're going to eat the apple. I told them not to eat. And and I tried to fix that. And then here come the Israelite people who said they were God's people. And then they acted all kind of ways. And God said, finally, it got to a place after I just destroyed the world. And then it came back again. They still acted up. And I loved them so much that I never gave up. God never has given up on any of us. He never gave up. He came in his own self-self. Took our sins upon himself. You know, God didn't have to do none of that. I mean, he's God. He could start over and over as much as he wants to. He can build some more humans any day he wants to. But yet he never gives up. God's love never gives up on us. And the Bible says that the all-powerful God, this God is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, everybody, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Well, okay, when we talk about grace and mercy, what do we mean? I'm glad you want to know. First, let's begin with a little teaching. The Greek word used for mercy in the Bible most often is pity or compassion. And for grace, it's favor. So you ask yourself, as we live in a violent culture, what's happened to pity and compassion? That's been replaced by judgment and criticism. What happened to pity and compassion? That's mercy and what happened to grace which is favor. Mercy and grace can be understood in in two ways, many ways, but I'm just gonna talk about these two right now. Like Mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment. Now in our culture, there are records that the only people who get mercy in our justice system are rich people, somebody say amen. In our country, money will get you everything that the world will give you. (laughs) But God's mercy is for everybody. And especially those at the bottom because God is on the side of the oppressed. So we live in a world that will do just the opposite of what God would do. And the church has to talk about that God Out loud in a day when it may not be popular to talk about a God who loves everybody. Mercy is an act of withholding deserved punishment. I've used this this illustration before that if we put a sin, what do you call it when you check in something with the guns and all like that? What do they have at the at the airports and stuff? Security, yeah, the TSA and all that. When you have them checking security, they got to see what you're packing. If you're packing anything you shouldn't be packing, if we put a sin detector at the door, <laughs> nobody gets in. <laughs> Mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment, while grace is the act of, of just throwing out and overflowing, unmerited favor. We live in a world that judges how much God loves us by what we have. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? It's a whole... There's nothing wrong with being rich because I'm telling you, if you're a rich alcoholic, it may be better to have some money than to be a poor alcoholic because you're going to be on the street or in treatment. So I'm not... I'm just saying we got to get it right. We got to have some balance here. That we can't say just because somebody has things that God is blessing them. Because a lot of people with things don't know God, don't want to know God. (laughs) They ain't spiritually happy. I grew up in a community in a time when there was so much godliness sometimes, and I'm talking about perfection, that's nothing else. but people were so filled with the spirit that poor people didn't even know they were poor. There was love in the village. There was help in the village. You didn't have to go to bond, you just went next door, all you wanted was a cup of flour. There was more love in the village than there is in the world today. We threw away everything when some of the stuff the village had, was not bad. Somebody say amen. In his mercy, God does not give us the punishment that we deserve. He's a perfect God. So every time we think wrong, we ought to get a whipping. Everything, every time we don't do what we're supposed to do, we ought to get a whipping. But he's a merciful God. He said, you know what? I'm not going to bother you today because I know you didn't know no better. And I'm going to tell you, that's why a lot of people don't want to come to church. Because they can use the church that they don't know no better. They can use the excuse they don't know no better. But see, the church can't use that because y'all come and hear the word of God every Sunday. And then we do something wrong and God's a little hard on us because he chastises those whom he loves. God gives us the gift that we do not deserve every day. Grace is when God gives us good things. We, we don't even deserve mercy. is when God spares us from bad things that we do deserve. Listen, mercy and grace are two sides of a coin, and the coin is love. In other words, mercy is a compassionate love to the weak, and grace is a generous love to the unworthy. <laughs> we are both weak and unworthy. We are both weak and <laughs> unworthy. Unworthy. That doesn't mean we're supposed to go around with our heads hung down. It just means that we're not supposed to think so much of ourselves that we can't tell God, God today I'm just weak. Lord, I know have have not done what you Require of me. I have not read your word like I ought to. I have not prayed like I ought to. I have not done away with the fears of the world like I should believing in you. But God, help me. Help me, God, because mercy takes a certain kind of attitude. You see, mercy takes up the path to forgiveness while grace leads us to reconciliation with God. and others. we're not too dirty for God to cleanse. And when we realize we're not too dirty for God to cleanse, then we're not going to look at somebody else as if they're too dirty for God to cleanse. Because when you know who you are, then you're going to be real patient with people who have faults too because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so when we love everybody, it's not what we're doing, but it's like being like Jesus to just love everybody. In the 60s when I was in Harlem, and I came out of a bubble, the village was a bubble, and I went to a place where You can't be naive, the government and the powers that be just set up a place that destroyed human beings to the point that they resorted to drugs to be able to live from day to day. Why was I there? I was there to say, what he's done for me, he can do for you. I don't know where I would have been in life if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. I should be an okay person. I I grew up with love. I didn't grow up with love to keep it to myself. I grew up with love to give to somebody else. Why was that there? Because I knew what love was. Not to hold for myself but to give to somebody else. If you're a Christian and you know God's grace and God's mercy and God's love, that's not for you to... That's for you to... What makes us different? Love makes us... I don't have to agree with you to love you. In fact, I don't even have to like you to love you. But I tell you what, if I ever found you in the streets, my like or love would have nothing to do with the fact i bet I'd come out in the street and get you up. I bet if I saw you drowning, I don't care what color you are, I'd jump in the ocean to try to save you. Love transcends like. (laughs) Love is filled with grace and mercy. So to help us understand more, let us look at some examples of God's grace and mercy in the Bible from both the Old and the New Testament. I've heard people say to me, why would you do something like that? And why why would you say that? I thought you were a Christian. Don't you hate for people to say that? Like if you a Christian, you're supposed to be perfect. They don't know the word. They haven't read the Bible. They don't know about the Bible. We look at somebody and say, I don't know how God could have called them. They don't know the Bible. Let me tell you something. Mercy and grace are often mistakenly. is a thought to a New Testament concept, but in fact, mercy and grace has been demonstrated by God throughout the Bible in both the Old and the New Testament. Look at these examples. Examples all through God was faithful and his promises never failed. Saul who was Paul's name in the beginning because God will change your name. I used to preach a ser- sermon go from hoochie to the holy. God will change your name. Yes, he will. He will change your name. That sermon became so popular, oh, oh God, I stopped preaching it. What makes us think that God can only use good people... When there is really no such thing as a perfect person. What makes us think that? Perfect human beings. There are none. We don't know why God would use a hood rat or a gangster or a murderer. You don't? Well, let me tell you. He's done it before. In fact, everybody God called had some problems. So what I want people to understand is here is that no matter who you are, where you've been, where people talk about you, who you think you are, God can still use you. Look at your neighbor and say, God can use you, and God can use me. Thank God for that. Thank God. Listen here. Saul, whose name was Saul, and then God changed it to Paul. Saul was a persecutor. He was a murderer. He killed Christians. But yet God converted him to become Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, the author of nearly half of the New Testament. What God doing? Peter, you know, Peter, my favorite disciple. Peter was from Compton. Peter was a hood. <laughs> Peter just just, I'm telling you, I love Peter. I have to surround myself with some Peters because sometimes it just don't look right for a pastor to say and do things, but Peter can. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. That's what Jesus thought. I'm going get me a Peter. Get me a Peter. <laughs> Peter was temperamental. Peter denied Jesus. Yet God used him to preach and to grow churches to over 3,000 people. Peter, that was Thomas, was a doubter, yet God used him to preach the gospel too. Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed, and yet God graciously gave her a wonderful chance of being the first witness to the risen Christ. Mary Magdalene, a woman, was given the gospel to take to the world. Martha, you remember Martha? She was restless. Restless, yet God also allowed her to be among the first witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. Barabbas was a criminal, and yet God allowed him to set free, be set free in exchange for Jesus. The thief, who was on the right side of God, hanging on a cross, was forgiven as he hung on a cross and promised to be in paradise. With Jesus, Oh, clearly the Bible is the record of a God who repeatedly forgives sinful human beings and even more, he's a perfect God who works in and through us as broken vessels for our own good and ultimately for his glory. Oh, the mercy and the grace of God alone can sustain and keep a world together. You know what, if God had... His love to those people in the past, he must be able to do so in our lives today. That's all we hear on the news about how bad people are. I don't understand we just souls crazy. That for the last few years we have been feeding people sex and violence of all ages. Just feeding him in the movies, on the rail, on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, all is crazy. And then we wonder why they're crazy. Because people regurgitate what you feed them. Now's the time for us to do a new thing. And feed people love and more love and more mercy and more grace. And more God we got to open our mouths we heard this past week and said we got to rebrand ourselves even if it means changing our name methodism turns people away so those lutherans all those names we might have to rebrand ourselves call ourselves the dignity center call ourselves saving grace and mercy place where well, everybody is welcome to come, because God is able to do all things well. And so we must first accept God's grace and mercy for ourselves. If I don't celebrate the fact that I'm here because of God's grace and God's mercy, if I ever get to the place. That I feel I don't need to clean up some stuff in me and fix some stuff in me and understand that God is using this mess anyway. If I'm not humbled by the fact that God will use my mouth, that sometimes is a nasty mouth, not like it used to be, though, I do want to say that. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Oh, he will change your name. Now I don't even like to hear cursing. But that was the day when I was the cursor. Somebody pray for me up in here. I came back from New York and I just was so, oh man, my mama said, what happened to you in Harlem? Did you change them or did they change you? I said, a little of both, mama, a little of both. You got to understand where God has brought you from. Our lives are not something to be ashamed of. Our lives are not of a testimony of where God has brought us from. His grace and His mercy. I know there have been some people in here who have done some things that should have put you in locker. But God's grace and mercy. I know there may be some people in here who used to smoke cigarettes and you let them go. It's God's grace and mercy. I know some people who have thought some thoughts about somebody else's husband. God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy. God's grace and mercy. Because see, even the thoughts Nasty to God. The things nobody else knows—not your mama, not your sister, not your brother, not your friends. There are some things in your life that nobody know about, but it's God's grace, God's mercy. You know, the old folk used to say, "If it had not been for the grace of God, there go." We need to think in this world today. We can't act or think we're better than people who own drugs, who live in the inner city, people who are in prison, people who live on the street. There are tests today. There are tests. There are our tests. Test. God is saying, Church, what are you gonna do? I came to save the broken. I came to save sinners. Church, what are you going to do? You've turned on the very people I set you up to save. Because I didn't come to save the righteous. Y'all already in the house. I came for the people out the house. For you to bring them in. There's not no place for you to come in and feel like you don't have work to do. Pastor Paul realized the importance of working hard for the Lord as the appropriate response to God's grace and mercy. If I realize how much God has done to me, for me, it is my job to make sure that I do that same thing for somebody else. Oh, if I can help somebody. Then my living. Then my living has not been. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. Neighbor. I've given God God. countless reasons reasons. not not to love me. And none of them Changed his, mind.
1: Change his mind. Oh, <laughs> changed his
0: mind thank you hallelujah none of them changed his mind i can't look at another human being and give up on them because god looked at me and loved me in the good times and the bad times. The glory of His grace and His mercy. One of my favorite songs of all times. In fact, I do my meditations every day, and this is a song I just play and I hear nearly every day. I want you to hear the words. It's just, it's just a wonderful thing. Damn, but by the grace of God. I've been around so much dysfunction in my work. I don't know if, if I ever tried a drug, what might have happened to me. God's grace and mercy never took me there. But it's clear to me that he left me sober to help somebody who's struggling, it's clear to me that he left me standing up to help somebody who has fallen down. It's clear to me that he loved me so that he left me here. The song is "Great Is Your Mercy." This is the song that I listen to every day. The words say "great." what somebody says to you I know you might not agree with me See your loving kindness. You're forever. love me and that's why I want to be good because he loves me that's why I want to do my best because he loves me that's why I want to check myself because he's so merciful I can't talk about nobody who don't know him. Because if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. Tell me where. Where would I be? Think about all the lost people in the world. All the think somebody else's sin is worse than our sin, but sin is sin. And the only thing that will save us all is a man by the name of Jesus. Just help me, God, to be more like